Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Everything Kratom, the podcast about anything and everything Kratom. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday morning. Hoping all is well with you. I'm doing fine. Today, I thought that I would touch on an article that I read last week that has a really interesting takeaway. The article itself is pretty short, but I thought that we could really just talk about what's in there and and, uh, extrapolate from it. Some really interesting ideas that I've talked about on this show a few times before in different capacities, but uh, never really directly, I don't think. So here's the title of the article, and it kind of, you know, gives you the idea of what it's talking about here. It says, people's reasons for using Kratom are rapidly diversifying. Now that is interesting, right? Because we've talked about this before in some ways. I think I've expressed just, you know, the ponderance that as more and more people use a drug or a substance or whatever you want to call it, the more ways it's going to be used. I mean, it's almost just math, you know, minus human behavior. It's, it really is just like it, it. eventually you will have some sort of divergence, right? So people are going to use something for different reasons after a while. But the thing that makes this of particular interest to me is that Kratom is a very unique thing, right? Like right now, the thoughts from the FDA and the DEA and many people out there are that Kratom is really only used by people who are former or current opioid or opiate addicts, right? Like that's kind of the simplistic sum up of of that viewpoint of it. And, you know, of course, there's some merit to that, given that so many people reference that as the reason why they're using Kratom to get off of some sort of uh, opiate or opioid. So when you see some sort of difference in the ways that Kratom is being used, it really matters because it will change public perception. And it's going to change, you know, the perception of people using Kratom as well, because when you're using Kratom or first trying it or, you know, have used it for a while or you quit because you hate it or whatever it is, um, and no judgment to anybody there, there or in between, right? It's going to kind of affect how you see yourself. If you are using something that in your mind, only people who are addicts use, that's going to affect how you view yourself using this thing, even if you don't see yourself as an addict. But if you use something that has many, many, many different uses and it's kind of known that it's, you know, meant for that, let's say, then that's also going to change how you view yourself using it. So I think that it's critically important that we understand how people use Kratom. That's that's pretty much what I'm getting at here. So let's take a look at this. Okay, so this study is first and foremost a follow up study. What happened was there was an original study in September 2020 to March 2021, which surveyed people who used alcohol, opioids, or other stimulants in the prior six months who reported past Kratom use. And this was like a randomized survey. It was done through a a third-party, you know, uh, sampling mechanism, uh, which is owned by Amazon, I, I think is what it says. And essentially, they got... 289 people in this first survey to answer some questions. And all of these people had used alcohol, opioids, or stimulants in the past six months and also have used Kratom in the past. Okay. So that's the demographic. 
And of course, that study is going to find a lot of connections between those drugs that those people have used in the last six months and Kratom, uh, you know, given just the people that they're talking to. So again, that was September 2020 to March 2021, 289 people, okay? So what this new study did was they reached out to those 289 people to try to do a follow-up study. They were able to get 129 of them to actually do it. So even though that isn't a majority of the original respondents, I feel like getting 43, 44% of a group that was, you know, kind of randomly selected uh, a couple years ago to, to respond to questions again isn't, isn't that bad at all, in my opinion. I'm not an expert in how these studies work by any means, but still, I'm impressed with that. So they got 129 people to do this follow-up. Here's what they found. First off, regarding the people who answered the questions, the median age was 29 years old, and that's actually a bit older than most other drugs that uh, people have surveyed in the past, you know, like the first time that they're trying any of these drugs. Um, 29 is, is older than most of the other drugs that have been studied, and they make a note of saying buprenorphine, which is, uh, you know, one of the drugs prescribed for people who are addicted to opioids. That's one exception. But so the median age was 29, 29.9, sorry. So pretty much 30 years old. They also found that a slight majority of the respondents were women, even though they mentioned that men typically are the ones who are using illicit drugs more. I'm, I'm interested to learn about that point because there's a lot of factors going on here. Like, this is based on the people who responded after the first study. So you could pull from this and say, well, women are more likely to respond to a study after they've done the first one. They're more likely to follow up with a second. The way that you word questions and the way that you present data really does matter. And so, again, take all that with a grain of salt. But, I mean, honestly, from my own viewpoint, I've seen a lot of Reddit surveys. Again, these are not airtight studies or anything, you know, by any means. But it does seem to be that more people who respond to these are men than women. And then looking at the very limited data I have on people who listen to the Everything Kratom podcast, which is extremely limited, don't worry, your data is safe and sound. I don't I don't see anything that marks individuals. All I see are generally what, what countries are people coming from and what percentage of people identify as what, you know, men, women, other. That's basically it. So don't worry, I don't know anything about any of you. <laughs> but looking at that data, I see that, you know, like 37% roughly of the people listening to this podcast are women. So you you could pull some sort of data from that saying, well, more men use Kratom than women. Uh, but again, like, I don't know. I feel like we really don't know anything about the demographics of Kratom users. And so I'm not really going to place much weight on it. However, I do find it interesting that a majority of the respondents were women in the second follow-up. So there's that. Then getting into the real meat of the matter here. First, it says that the strongest association with another substance, uh, when they were asking, you know, you use Kratom in the past, what other substances are you using while you're using Kratom? The strongest association is vape nicotine. But when you ask just in the past month specifically, have you used Kratom in the past month? If so, what else have you used in the past month? The most common answer was cannabis. Now, 
It says, however, people also use Kratom for various completely different reasons, and the number of reasons for Kratom use appears to be growing. In the research, 48.1% of respondents said Kratom boosts energy, and some people take it before working out. People also simply use Kratom to relax enjoyably, vaguely similar to how people might drink wine after work. 48.8% of respondents said they use it this way. Others still may use it to treat things like ADD, anxiety symptoms, or chronic fatigue. And the researcher goes on to say that she doesn't believe that these groups represent the majority of Kratom users at the moment, but the nature of how most people use the drug may change going forward. So I think this is kind of neat. Even though I've read a million times over at this point, different people saying, I use Kratom for anxiety, I use Kratom just to relax at the end of the day, I use Kratom to help me with ADD symptoms or to not use stimulants. I use Kratom for working out and for energy. I use Kratom for motivation, etc. I've read all of this over and over again on different forums, on Reddit, uh, from people's experiences, from you all writing into me. I still haven't really seen that mentioned in a study in the context of how diverse is the, the use of Kratom and how is that changing over time. You're looking at a study that is following up with people who had past use of alcohol, opioids, and stimulants, who also happen to use Kratom. And you're seeing now, two years later, that 48.1% of respondents say they're using Kratom to boost their energy. And you're seeing 48.8% of respondents saying they use Kratom to relax at the end of a day. You know? And that's not necessarily related to another drug. Maybe it helps take the place of another drug, but that's not really the, the thing that, that they're pulling out here. They're showing that some people just use it to relax. Some people just use it to boost their energy. And there are a small proportion of people who are using it for anxiety and ADD and chronic fatigue. That's interesting to me, too, because I would expect more people to be using it for those things. But uh, they, they made a point of saying that this is a small number of the, the people who did the, the follow-up report. So I'm going to start looking at that. You know, I mean, it'd be really fascinating to see a change over the next number of years, looking at how many people are using Kratom for anxiety, ADD, chronic fatigue, those sorts of things. Um, let's also keep watch on how many people are using Kratom for like working out and for energy boosts when it comes to that. And that gets me into thinking about a whole lot of other things like athletics, which we've talked about, you know, is Kratom something that someone can have before the, you know, going to play in the Olympics? And how is that going to change over time as Kratom becomes more well-known, more widely used and more seen in the public sphere, so to speak? Um, how many people are going to be having Kratom tea at the end of the day rather than wine? And when is that going to start becoming normal to do in front of your friends? And why is it that at the end of the day, you can relax with people and have a glass of wine and that's fine. But if you have a cup of Kratom tea, that's a little weird. You know, all of those thoughts, like it just always gets me thinking. Again, this is why I love reading this stuff. It's not necessarily that there's incredible, surprising information every time, but it does help me think about things. And then I go off on these rants and you have to listen to me. <laughs> I try not to do it every day, but it really does help change my perspective. So I'm going to keep looking at this sort of thing and keep you all up to date and also just 
you know, sharing my thoughts and ideas with you. And I hope that you do the same with me. One extra thing that I wanted to mention, they also talked about how there are 40 different alkaloids present in kratom leaves, or around 40 different alkaloids, and that they can vary widely from strain to strain or even plant to plant. So I I keep on coming across this, and I think that this is the next frontier for myself uh, to look into. All these other alkaloids, we all know about 7-hydroxymetragenine, we all know about metragenine. What are these other ones? And how are they playing a role in how kratom affects us? There's all there's always the argument that like different types of kratom, it, that's BS. Like there's no difference between this one and this one. It's just the way vendors market kratom to sell it. I somewhat see the merit in that. And then I also do notice differences in how kratom affects me based on what types and from what vendors. And that it's kind of somewhere in between there that I think the truth lies. But at the same time, I don't know anything about these other alkaloids at all. What do they do? What role do they play? And, you know, is that the sort of thing that I really like? It's not necessarily Green Mang Da from this company in particular is the best. It's like, no, that company's Green Mang Da has this certain alkaloid profile. And if another Kratom plant had that, then it would be just as effective for me. Or this one doesn't work for me. Well, maybe it has more of this one alkaloid in it that doesn't really jive with you, you know, like so much to learn. So I'm going to start diving into that whole aspect as well. So I will end my rant before it gets too long and uh, let you all get on with your lives today. But we'll be back tomorrow as always. Email me with any thoughts you have or if you want to talk, maybe we can have you on for an episode. Anything, everything, Kratom at gmail.com. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.